Welcome back into After Hours. Dusty Leggins with you, Grant Nicholson as well, 610 Sports Radio. Joining us now on the hotline, my guy Ron Hughley of 610 Houston with he and Clint Sterner. Big Ron, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. I like that music, man. That uh, that brings that brings me back a little bit, uh, right there. Uh, little after hours action. Is that, is that what this little shindig is called? That's after right. hours. Huh? Yeah, you like that? Uh, that's cute. Okay. That is a cute name. You come up there with yourself. I did. You can kiss my ass. <laughs> so let's talk quickly. Uh, Houston minus four or plus fourteen. Uh, last week, kind of a scare against Dallas, right? Like I, I, I followed your tweets because I think the start of the day, you said, this is the best prepared coach team, uh, this year. And then at the end of the game, it was, I don't know what just happened. They were not prepared at all. Yeah. Um, listen, I mean, the, the, as Denick Reed would say, your record is what you are. Mm-hmm. You are what we thought you were. They, they are, they're terrible. Uh, they are. They have earned uh, one eleven and one, and they are the worst team in football. But they they surprised the Cowboys with their game plan. They surprised the the Cowboys at how they played their quarterbacks, uh, incorporating Jeff Driscoll, who uh, who is uh, uh, Jeff Driscoll broke a camera uh, throwing an out route um, earlier this year, broke an NFL Network camera. Uh, he's hit multiple people on the sideline at training camp on on just throwing passes. So uh, he's been he's been awful, uh, and many times we couldn't understand why he was on the team. Uh, but they came out and they they used him and Davis Mills together, and they used him as a part of their run game. But I think the Cowboys it took them a little bit to get it, and they really they frustrated them all week or all game long. Uh, and took Micah Parsons out of the game because they just couldn't really understand or figure out what exactly the Texans were doing. So it was effective, and the use of, of, of Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills kind of caught them off guard, and uh, and they just hung around and hung around and probably should have won that game, to be honest. Uh, but, but of course, the Houston Texans uh, crept in, and they went ahead and, and shot themselves in the foot down the stretch. But yeah, that was that was probably one of the better better games in terms of game plans, especially offensively, that they've come up with this year. Is that the same type of game plan you'll see them try to do against Kansas City? I know different types of teams, uh, Dallas, Kansas City, but both respectively better than the Houston Texans, and the Texans are at that point in the year where they just play spoiler and try to play for jobs. Is that kind of the same type of thing you'll see? Uh, yeah, damn sure better. I mean, it's the only, it's the best, it is the most success this offense has seen really all season. Uh, that, that, what they did it, that mixture of run the pass, confusing the defense and not, like that was the best offensive game plan and performance they had all season. So there is no way they can turn away from that. I mean, just, just the previous week, they fumbled a, a quarterback sneak for, uh, for a touchdown. They fumbled a quarterback sneak, and then it was returned for a touchdown. They threw a screen for an interception for a touchdown. I mean, they've had multiple they've had multiple games where they're under thirty yards and a half. That five yards of total offense against the Washington Commanders earlier this year. This what they did right there. They had twenty points at the half. Whew. Yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna show more of this. The, the wonder is now that the Chiefs have this on tape, and they've been able to see it if they can still be as effective. 
What is it you said about athletes that visit their hometown after being on the road for quite a while? Because Mahomes is, as I believe, going to be really close to his hometown this Sunday, and I feel like there's there's a narrative you used to fit when it came to athletes visiting their hometown. Yeah, I don't remember that, man. There's a lot of things I okay. used to say, man. But I just, you know, just said maybe, they, maybe they played. Me out on that, maybe they play better the next day because of a certain hometown feeling. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, okay. listen, man. Hey. <laughs> Hey, Pat's got his own nasty. He's okay. taken care of him, so I don't think he's dealing with that. But shoot, Pat, Pat can Pat can wake up drunk and and put and put it together against this crew. I okay. mean, this is, I mean, this has got a chance to get out of hand. I, I mean, uh, if the if the Chiefs come out and play the way that the Chiefs can play, yeah, uh, especially we get some some guys back. Hopefully, Kadarius Tony and and McCole Hardman, if one of them are back, but this game could get out of hand. There's, there's no match uh, for the chiefs here. Cause that's what I wonder if this is one of those games, because the last two games the chiefs have played, I know you do some stuff for Eric pride. So you have conversations about this weekly, but the last couple of weeks, the, the offense has been stale. I think McCall Hardman and Kadarius Tony join us. This, is this that, that type of game that's getting set up for that? This is the, the 42 to 14. And then on the backside of that, is that the reason because of that is because of what's going on with the MVP race with Jalen Hurts kind of taking a front seat to uh, one Patrick Mahomes? I, I mean, it could be. You would hope the way that the Chiefs have played, that they are, like, you know, they, they feel like they want to to put themselves, to get themselves in a better place heading into the playoffs. I mean, they've I mean, they just been off and on. They, they've appeared bored at times. Um, but, but they just had some struggles there in the second half against the Broncos where, you know, you would hope they want to get back on it. But what I'm just telling you here, like what Lovey Smith is going to try to do is just going to just play right into the hands of easy pitch and catch for <laughs> for for Mahomes in this offense. Like like the Miami Dolphins, their first half a throwing team. I mean, they just absolutely dominated the the Texans defense. They just could not do anything, and and the Texans will probably have some injuries still in the secondary as well, um, and and. I mean, and the Chiefs, to be honest, the Texans, this is one of the worst run defenses I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I think that I think the Chiefs should run for 150 if they want to. I mean, it's just, like, I agree with what you're saying, the MVP race thing. I'm just saying that the opponent is going to make this <laughs> a laugher. The opponent and, and, and what the Chiefs do well compared to what the Texans do poorly defensively is going to be a problem. So before we get you out of here, you think 14 covers for the Chiefs? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think I think if they had an element of surprise, see what happened with the game last week for for the Cowboys. But the Cowboys is with uh, the Cowboys made so many mistakes early, and they weren't ready for the surprise of two quarterbacks and one running quarterback. That the way they were playing, they allowed them to stay close to the game and stay close and stay close, and they could keep running. Man, their their best player is Damian Pierce, who's a who's a number seven rusher in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play, uh, so he is their offensive weapon to keep it close. They're going to be rolling out Rex Burkhead, and he is going to get the the the, the main carries probably in this game, and that uh, and he's awful. Uh, so it's it's it, it this is this fourteen. Yeah, I'd be I'd be all over that. Okay. Uh, last but not least, what you watching currently on uh, on the Netflix or on TV right now? Because I know this is us is over, so you have to figure something else out. I'm not gonna lie to you. So I, I, I'm watching a few things, obviously. But okay. I really, I jumped into this Young Rock. 
I don't know why. Stop I don't, it. For some reason, I decided to jump Sitcom into the young television. Rock. Oh yeah, I, I, okay. I, I don't know. I watched it. You know, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a wrestling head. So oh, yeah. I, I, for some reason, it jumped into this going down memory lane of this young rock. I, I, I probably watched watched the entire first season this this past weekend. Oh. I'm on. I'm on that young rock right now. I can't even lie to you. That's where I'm at. Okay. You can judge me if you want to. I don't care. I'm only, on young rock. Only one person can judge you. Um. So the other thing too is, are you? Uh. Are you? Are you going to pay Henry? Henry Lake is better. What the hell is he talking about? I mean, you know what? Like, He's been on it for like, a long man, time, man. You know what, man? He, he could be on it, man. I I will handle Henry Lake. <laughs> All right. I really don't. I really, I, like I, I think Henry needs to calm down. He's just a little too much fire. Okay. Every time he sees D, Dean Wade, he's getting he's getting he's get a little excited in his pants. Every time he sees Dean Wade, we made a bet a long time ago. I will take care of him. Okay. As soon as I see him. Well, hey, have fun continuing to take care of that great family of yours. Have a good rest of your time in Houston. I miss you, brother. We'll see you sometime when you're in KC again. And uh, enjoy this game on Sunday. Yes, sir. All right, Dusty. Ron Hughes. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty. Big thanks to Ron Hughley joining me on the show just then. A friend of mine, doing very well in Houston. It's always good to catch up. You never know. A little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of honesty, lots of sports horniness uh, with one Ron Hughley. Somebody on the text line from the 785 says, Falcons release Damian Williams. What do you think about a reunion? Um, I don't think much of it. I just, it's weird, man. Like I, I brought this up earlier this, uh, this not week, but obviously like I think it was earlier this month or maybe it was last month, but there were people that were asking because Eric Fisher got signed by the dolphins. Um, Kareem hunt earlier in the year was, was telling Cleveland to trade him because he wanted a, a guaranteed contract. Didn't want to have to play for one. Didn't want to risk injury and then not get paid and so on and so forth. Um, but with Damian Williams, I think this team is just going to wait for Clyde edwards helaire to come back. And I think what you saw last weekend against Denver and what you're going to see this week against Houston, I believe Houston has given up 168 rushing yards per game. I know that sounds extreme, but I'm pretty sure Binkley tweeted the stat. I could be wrong. I'll look it up right now. But I'm pretty sure Binkley got it out there for everybody. Houston, number 32 run defense. 165.8 yards per game. Last in the NFL, be a good Pacheco weekend. So with Damian Williams, the conversation there is, is what we've kind of concluded every conversation with former Chiefs players. Pete Sweeney told me this at training camp in July when the Kareem Hunt news came out and everybody jumped on the, what about Kareem Hunt to the Kansas City Chiefs reunion? I truly do believe, Pete, when he says when a door closes, it is closed. There is no rekindling the flame. 
there is no, Hey, let's, let's see where we're at again. Let's bring it back and, and see if you like the second time around. I think Damian Williams will forever have a special place. And a lot of people's chiefs fandom and chiefs memory because of that epic Super Bowl finish, right? He sealed the deal. A lot of people, myself included, thought there might have been a chance that he could have stole that MVP from Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. But then again, most always, it's a quarterback. A few times it hasn't been, but most most of the time, quarterbacks tend to win that award. Um, but again, thanks to Ron Hughley when it comes to uh, joining the show tonight. I found this interesting as the Dan Levitard show went around in week 15, predicted... Uh, what they think will be a Super Bowl matchup. I think you'll be uh, interested to hear what the uh, the guys from Miami had to say about what they think will be a, as of now, Week 15 Super Bowl preview. Week 15 in the NFL season, it is flying by. If I had to pick a team right now to win the Super Bowl, I'm taking the Bengals. Why Joe Burrow? Why Joe Burrow? I was trying to say Joe Burrow there, okay? When he walks into a stadium and it's Patrick Mahomes or it's Tom Brady or it's Aaron Rodgers, you know who Joe Burrow thinks is the best quarterback in that stadium? Joe Bleepin' Burrow. That's why. My Super Bowl pick right now is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Philadelphia has gotten all the attention in that division. They were unbeaten for the longest time. Dallas Cowboys have the greatest combination to me of offense and defense, best balance. They can run the ball. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott might not even be their best running back. They're a full, full-fledged, all-round team. It's the year of the Cowboy. Well, I've got two futures in the NFL that I've already played. I played Kansas City to win the AFC, so I got them going to the Super Bowl. I put a little bit on Dallas because I like the price, and I don't trust them. They won't make it, but right now my bets say it's going to be a Kansas City-Dallas Super Bowl. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go home with Dolphins. I am going to go Chiefs, Niners, Ooh. Purdy, the next Brady. The Chiefs, Eagles. I got yep. Purdy being the, the the Niners quarterback next few years. He's gonna win the job and be their new quarterback. Um, Eagles out of the NFC, and I got Chiefs, Eagles, Chiefs. Andy Reid, Andy Reid revenge game. Chiefs beat the Eagles. Twelve seconds later. Addendum. I actually have the Eagles beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. My bad. NFC 49ers. Ooh. 49ers. You know, defense is good. Defense wins championships, right? That's what, that's what I've been told. Uh, ooh, AFC's tough. Uh, Chiefs. Nah, Chiefs. Nah, Dolphins. <laughs> I love the Dolphins, but let's be realistic. No, I'm going to say Chiefs 49ers rematch. I, I like those odds. Chiefs 49ers. I think it's got to be Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, they continue to dominate, and I don't trust anybody else in that conference. So, Kansas City Chiefs probably going to win the Super Bowl once again. Wait, I meant the Dolphins. Stu God's always there to uh, make a funny impression when it comes to uh, the Levitard show. But I think this is interesting because I bring this question to you. Text line 913-586-7610 or phone calls, whatever you want to do. It's after hours, right? Things tend to slip a little bit. That's my bad. Um... But it's interesting, right? Because we led the show with the MVP race that is Jalen Hurts via Patrick Mahomes. I don't think anybody else really has a chance to enter that room. I think that room has been locked up. 
Uh, now only one guy comes out of it with the season award. I think it's interesting when you look at the possibilities when it comes to those guys who tend to follow the game. Obviously, they don't want to say Miami because they don't want to seem biased. Um, I don't think Miami has what it takes to get to the Super Bowl this year. I think Miami can be once they start to gel as a unit. Like I think next year Miami is very, very dangerous. I think they will soon get type the type of plug that Buffalo is getting uh, the past few years, right? I think that the full season with Joe with uh, with Tua Tagovailoa and kind of doubting a lot of the haters, right? Like Tua really putting together a pretty solid season for at least three to four weeks. He was an MVP candidate possibility. Didn't think he would be a favorite, but he was he was definitely in the in the short terms of odds. But I think Miami's big time splash comes next year. I don't think that they're ca- I, well. I think they're capable of getting to a Super Bowl. I don't think they get to a Super Bowl. Dropping two in a row, a little bit concerning. They play Buffalo this week, could be concerning. Um, yeah. Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia versus Kansas City is kind of sexy because you can't really say that Philadelphia hasn't played anybody. But it would be kind of nice to see that the MVP candidate and the MVP winner, which we would know by then, I believe, at least we would know if it wasn't official, which I think it would be official. You would obviously know. We'll know by Christmas morning who the MVP of the NFL is. Because Christmas Eve, Chiefs will play Seattle. And if Mahomes has a big game against the Houston Texans this week and has a big game against the Seattle Seahawks on Christmas Eve and Jalen Hurts loses to Dallas and it's not a good game and he has an unentertaining game this week in Chicago where he should absolutely just thrive, then obviously it'll flip on a dime. But MVP versus MVP is very intriguing to me. The other thing that's kind of intriguing when it comes to Philadelphia, Kansas City is also the possibility of the rematch. And that's the question that I ask. 913-586-7610 is, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, are you more intrigued in having a rematch versus San Francisco in the Super Bowl, or are you more intrigued to have Philadelphia and, and Kansas City MVP versus MVP? Because honestly, I think in this case, I'd probably rather play Philadelphia. I don't think I want any part of San Francisco. And I I get it. Debo Samuel got hurt this weekend, but I don't think it's serious. I think that defense is the best defense in football. I think they're firing all cylinders. I think there's a chance Bosa can steal that defensive award from Micah Parsons. And quite honestly the blood would be boiling a little bit hotter in the San Francisco 49ers veins. They're going to have a little bit more uh, charismatic attitude playing the Chiefs. I'm not saying the Chiefs wouldn't be up for the game or that they would have any issues playing the Niners. I think I would just rather play Philadelphia. I know Jalen Hurts is scary in his connection to A.J. Brown, but I find it funny 
that there's a lot of people in Miami that run the Dan Levitard show. Hey, here we go. I like Kansas City versus blank. And it seemed the three answers were San Francisco, Dallas, or Philadelphia. And the text line chimes in from the 660. I think Joe Burrow can get himself in the MVP candidate if he be challenged. I think that's fair. I think Joe Burrow would be considered a backdoor sleeper to take the MVP because his yardage could go up there um, and, st- and and he could really make a, a, a case for big wins against big teams. But again, if Patrick Mahomes has to get the one seed and has to have 5,000 yards passing and has to have probably 40-plus touchdowns, then I think, what does Joe Burrow have to do? Joe Burrow's going to have to get real busy then because Burrow would have to overtake two teams which I know they have tiebreaker with the Chiefs, but you have to get a win where the Chiefs have to get a loss in a season where they play four pretty, pretty bad teams. But again, the matchup that you'd rather see, is it Philadelphia, Kansas City, or is it Kansas City, San Francisco? Both matchups are sexy. Both matchups are big-time teams versus big-time teams. I'd hate to see Bosa versus Orlando Brown. That's not something I'd really want to see in a Super Bowl. You might get a lot of Tampa Bay vibes with Mahomes going left to right more often than, you know, forward. But again, it's interesting. The Levitard guys telling us exactly what they think. Speaking of the Chiefs, speaking of Ron Hughley and the Houston Texans, I think this is a game in which you have to be the bully. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. So an interesting stat about last night, or I guess Sunday night football. Dolphins-Chargers was the lowest-rated Sunday night Week 14 NFL game since Washington-Baltimore in 2008, in part because Miami-Fort Lauderdale and Los Angeles produced among the worst ratings in the country for their own NFL teams. Underwhelming 11.7 on NBC, down NBC 6 down in Miami. So I do think it's interesting that They flexed Mahomes out of that game, knowing that they were playing the Denver Broncos and the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson were a sorry excuse for a watchable team, um, which I don't, I don't think any of us could disagree, right? I was saying from around week, I want to say it was like week 15. No, I'm sorry. What am I talking about? This is week 15. Around week seven or eight, I was saying that there was a chance that Denver, Kansas City could get flexed out, that it would just depend on how much NBC really wanted Mahomes in that primetime slot. Now, again, I get it. Hindsight is twenty twenty, But imagine if that game that we all watched on Sunday was in primetime. The attraction, the attention, all of which 
would have been just asinine. How many people would have been joined into that game? How many fans of Kansas City always lock in? Plus, Denver has a a sizable market. Plus, it would have been one of those things where, like, Denver has more than 18 points. Let's tune into this. Chiefs were up 27-0. Now they're not. We've seen that before in Saturday Night Football where a team is up very, very big, and then in the gap kind of narrows, and you see the attention on Twitter start to change. Uh, But again, Dolphins Chargers was the lowest-rated Sunday night Week 14 NFL game since Washington-Baltimore in 2008, partially because both areas have poor viewing numbers. By the way, Thursday, 99-cent cheese sticks at Sonic. You're welcome. Currently going on right now, the uh, the Kansas City Royals having discussions with the city about where to put a downtown stadium, what kind of questions will come from that. Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star covering that pretty well. Um, John Sherman saying that there's a lot of possibilities where they could put it. Brooks Sherman, Royal COO from Sam McDowell's Twitter, says earliest stadium could go to a vote would be August of 2023. Um, the intention for the stadium capacity would be 38,000 with 34,000 to 35,000 of those actual seats. Also, Sam McDowell says that Sherman says, we plan to bring our history with us. Sherman says of the stadium design. Sherman says the private capital will take care of a major part of the stadium and all the ballpark district. The bulk of this capital will be private investors, John Sherman says in his first Q&A. Brooks Sherman, Royal COO, says half of the $2 billion estimate is for the stadium, half for the ballpark district. And that they are still in the early stages of determining where. New stadium will be, Royal Senior VP of Business Ops, Sarah Torville, says. And then the most interesting part about the, the live question A, John Sherman, quote, I'd watch the wire over the next couple of days. We could be adding some pitching talent, end quote. So, believe it when I see it. Tantalizing little nugget there. Yeah, like, watch the waiver wire. Well, been watching winter meetings. Haven't seen the Royals' name at all. So, John Sherman, uh, this is the first big year where he is uh, completely taken over, kind of has shown that he is going to flex his hog when it comes to this franchise moving forward, trying to get this team to be competitive, likable, followable, entertaining, watchable. And again, this is your home for the Royals on 610 Sports Radio. We'll get Vern back in a couple months. And then, unfortunately, with Vern back, you lose me because, obviously, the times. But from the Batman, uh, the Bat wants Eagles in the game for the ring. They will have to beat the Cowboys, 49ers, or Sleeper Minnesota. By the way, I think Minnesota and Dallas are frauds. You convinced me that the Vikings are frauds? I think so. But I think that the Cowboys may be a little legit. You think they are a little legit? A little legit, yeah. They damn near lost to Houston. I believe it when I see it. It's Dallas. How many times have we thought they were good in the regular season just for them to bow out pretty weakly in the playoffs? But they look a lot better this year than they have normally. You trust Dak in a playoff game? I'm not saying I, I... Yeah. That's why I said they're a little legit. Okay. 
but you definitely don't trust Minnesota. No, no, no. Minnesota has been two and a half point underdogs at home against Dallas and got blown out. And then Minnesota was a two point underdog against Detroit. And you'd have thought Jameis Williams had played all year. Minnesota can't stop the pass. Let alone, you've got to put all your faith in Kirk Cousins finding Justin Jefferson. Like, Justin Jefferson had 233 yards, and they still lost. By the way, he is 400 and I think 36 yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's all-time record. It is Justin Jefferson's third year in the league. (laughs) That man is an STUD stud. Um. Somebody from the 913 says, why was my first thought that Sherman was going to watch the show The Wire? I feel like he's never seen that show. I would be surprised if he has. Fantastic show. Seen it all the way twice. Loved it. Uh, Coming up next segment, we're going to pay some homage to Mike Leach, who passed away at 61 to complications of what we believe is a heart attack. And I have to ask Grant something about that as well. But before we get into that, a little bit more of a serious topic, one that probably not a lot of humor behind it, but I'll I'll do my best to to be the flower in the in the dead garden that is sad and gloomy. But I think this should be the game that Chiefs play the bad guy and put up another 40 piece. Now stay with me. This has the recipe for a Chiefs team to be the bully. Bad team, bad coaching, no quarterback, starting running back out, nothing to play for except for a top pick, which the only way you get the number one pick is start to tank. I think that's officially where we're at with Houston. I think last week was Houston's big Super Bowl game. You're playing the big bad neighbors in Dallas kind of like the Manchester Man City games back in the day when the Red Devils would play the the blue the noisy blue neighbors, the noisy neighbors. And it would get to a point where this was before Man City had a ton of money and they went and got guys like Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne, guys like that. Probably didn't know I had that in my arsenal, did you, Grant? Um, the segment's impressing me so far. Okay. And I think that was Houston's. I think that was their big deal. And now you have a Chiefs team with the possibility of gaining a McCall Hardman, gaining a Kadarius Tony, and gearing up for what is probably the easiest schedule in Chiefs history and a number one seed that has them thirsty and very, very entertained when it comes to watching everybody else. Take care of your own. A great Bruce Springsteen song. But also, he says, we take care of our own, which is what the Chiefs should be doing moving forward. With the soft schedule, everything that the Chiefs have moving forward, they need to start playing the bully. And with the team that they go up against this week in Houston, this is that team. Aim for the throat. Take care of business. Go out there like Miami did in the first half and put up 30. 
and then just run the ball with Pacheco the rest of the game. Let Mahomes get his two touchdowns, 280 in the first half, finish with maybe three touchdowns, 315, have Kelsey rack it up, and get to the fourth quarter and be up 41 to 10. Let Chad Henney play the final seven and a half minutes. Let Jarek McKinnon or Ronald Jones finish the game out at running back. Let Pacheco have his 110, have his big game of the NFL career. And the reason you can do that is because you don't necessarily, because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of local sports guys that'll do this, and every once in a while I can find myself doing it, where we find ourselves saying that maybe Andy Reid's not playing up to the status that maybe you would like because he doesn't want to show anything. I'm over that theory. You mean to tell me there's nothing Cincinnati or Buffalo or anybody like that hasn't seen yet or can't prepare for when it comes to Kansas City? You know, it's not like Tyree Kill still plays on this team and there's multiple all-pro receivers out there. But I think this is the time of the season where you kind of put your foot down You kind of let yourself be known that you're done messing around. And you see this sometimes in college football. You see this sometimes in in the NBA. You see it in college basketball. Where like there's times where Oklahoma State might be two games behind Kansas and Kansas has Texas Tech, Iowa State, no offense, K-State left on their schedule where they're all games that Kansas should be seven and a half, eight point favorites. And Kansas just goes out there and wins 88 to 65, 75 to 51. And it's like, okay, KU's a one seed. KU's going to the tournament. They should be at least a final four contender. That's where the chiefs currently are right now. You got the least amount of, of pressure left on the season. You got a quarterback playing for an MVP and you got a team playing for a number one seed because they don't want to leave Kansas city. Now, the two seed's not always the worst-case scenario because there's been times where the number one seed has fallen short. This could be one of those times again. But gear up for the playoffs. Gear up for everything. You get some of your guys back like Tony and like Hardman and the possibilities of making this offense less stale like we talked about earlier. Let's see the real Chiefs. Let's see that Chiefs team that where when they play the Houston Texans, and a lot of people will say, Well, it was Houston. They were 14-point favorites. They should have won this game. I don't want that to be the message after it. I want the message after it to be, Kansas City put themselves right back up there at the top of the list as teams you don't want to play. Because in the power rankings, they're fourth. In the MVP ranking, he's second. And people still like Buffalo over Kansas City. You beat a team 45-10, to you make head spin, you make minds change, you make words sound a little bit better when it comes to Monday morning quarterbacking. We lost a great personality in the sports world. Cherish these guys while they last. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. John Sherman wasn't lying. Royals signed left-handed pitcher. Ryan Yarbrough. So cross that off your Scrabble name. That's at least a 
Man, that's at least, let's see, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, nine letters with a Y. Throw that on a double bonus. That's probably a 70-point word right there. Ryan Yarborough. I think that's how you say his name. Or Yarbrough. Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H. Uh, he is 30 years old, pitched the first five seasons of his major league career with the Tampa Bay Rays, where he went 40 and 31 with a 4.33 ERA, 279 earned runs, and 579.2 innings pitched, and 127 appearances, 59 starts. He made their opening day roster five straight seasons, but was limited to 20 appearances, nine starts due to two stints on the IL from April 8th to May 2nd. He won a career best 16 games as a rookie, finished fifth in the rookie of the league, rookie of the year ballot. Yada, yada, yada. Pitched in the postseason in 2019, going 2 0 with a 306 ERA, six earned in 17 and two thirds innings pitched, eight appearances, two starts, including three appearances, one start in the 2020 World Series. Played collegially at Old Dominion, the same school attended by Royals manager Matt Quintaro and Royals infielder Vinny Pasquantino. So Royals do get pitching. As John Sherman said, pay attention to the wire. What are Scrabble points with those? Yeah. Yarbrough, Pasquantino. There, that is. Quintaro. Quintaro. You got a Q word. You would win the game if those were the first three names that went on the board. I would just stop playing. That'd be it. Like, all right, have a nice night. Um, but yeah, one-year contract, nothing super exciting. Um, Twitter's already on it. Not a lot of favorites. Not a lot of fans. Not a lot of, a lot of good coming from that. So I'm going to put that away. Um, Mike Leach passes away at 61. I get it. It's tough. It's sad when, when big sports iconic figures do pass in, in weird situations. Really needed that three there by Steph Curry from the assist of Draymond Green. Just didn't happen. But this was Mike Leach. Uh, play a couple audios, then I'll explain to you why I think it's sad most importantly, that we lose a guy like Mike Leach. As coaches, we failed to get through to him. As, as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how uh, how easy it's going to be and how, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of people. Everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game. Well, I, I mean, that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football. And uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them, and uh, the players have to listen. And I, I'm willing to go to uh, fairly amazing lengths to try to make that happen. I don't know if I'll be successful this week or not, but. But, you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. Uh, and if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad. So Mike Leach, maybe you don't always agree. I think we've seen fat little girlfriends might be a little bit egregious there. Maybe just kind of, you know, little girlfriends. But it's Mike Leach. You're not going to tell him what he, what he can and can't say. And then he had a really good bomb like this. 
Coach, I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have you any are? advice for me? Who yeah. are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, <clears throat> I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Um, okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. Uh, so go ahead and uh, uh, don't, don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats okay. on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. <clears throat> if Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, Tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, thanks. Guys like that don't happen very often in sports. And that's where I want to take this final segment of the 7 o'clock hour and kind of dedicate it to Mike Leach. There are a few guys in sports that can get to that point. Ned Yost tried towards the end. Like, his conversation with Cody in the moon, like, that is hilarious. Like, that's when guys kind of break their personality and kind of really show you who they really are with that dry sarcasm. I thought Greg Popovich was a great person of that, too. And I know there's a lot of people that think that those guys are boobs, and that those guys are just being Richards and being mean. But, I mean, think about their life. And and it took me a little bit to remember this because I'll be honest with you, I was scared as hell to ask Ned Yost anything when it came to post-game pe- press conferences, when it came to anything in general about a game that maybe they lost because I just didn't know how he was going to respond to the questions that I would ask. Example, I asked him one question one time after the the player's name jersey where they had names on the back that were nicknames, and they had won the series against Cleveland two to three, two out of three games. But the last game of the series, they lost, I think, I think it was like 11 to three. And you could tell Ned was pissed. And I asked Ned Yost, I said, hey, you know, kind of different from the game, but how does this weekend differ from the rest of the season where these guys can have a little bit of fun, see everybody's nickname, kind of call them by that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all right. You know, they get these jerseys early in the year and there's about 10 minutes where they have fun with it and then it's over with. I was like, okay. I was like, do you have a nickname? And he just looked at me, paused for about two seconds and goes, yeah, I got a nickname. And that was it. And I kind of, put my phone down, crossed my other leg, and said, okay, I'll wait until this press conference is over, and I'm not saying anything the rest of the time. But I knew that was Ned just annoyed. And I think the next type of guy that's going to be kind of like that if he continues to win is Mike McDaniels. Mike McDaniels is kind of hilarious. 
He says things, does things that not normal coaches would do. I think Steve Kerr is another one of those Greg Popovich type of guys, but a little bit more educated. I think Steve Kerr can say things that are funny. I think Steve Kerr can say things that are serious. And he's never just the robotic, yeah, we played great. We had a good time. It was fun. Let's just, you know, move forward. Andy Reid, I think he's a great guy. I think he's funny. The State Farm commercials are great. But throughout the season, Andy Reid is robotic. He's very polished, very the same. Think about every Monday press conference. Yeah, you know, we had a we, we played a good team out there. So-and-so wasn't hurt. Time's yours. Every Wednesday press conference. Tomorrow. So, blah, blah, blah. We'll be practicing. So-and-so might miss practice. So-and-so's out with an illness. Uh, with that, we look forward to the challenge of the Houston Texans and time's yours. Guys that are surprisingly entertaining, guys like Bill Belichick, very Ned Yost vibes, but also here's a funny story that involves Bill Belichick and Pamela Anderson that I bet you'd never heard that shows personality within the coach that we need more of in sports. And another time he picked David Ben, who was a long snapper, because he was dating Pamela Anderson, and Bill thought the players would like seeing Pamela at the pool in Hawaii. She didn't come, but that's a cool Belichick story. So anyway, first practice, which is like nothing. You just kind of like stretch, you mess around a little bit, and you walk off the field. I'm coming off, and, and I'm walking by Bill, and he looks at me, and he's like, he goes, hey, where's your girlfriend? And... Uh, I said, oh, Pam, nah, she didn't come out. He goes, remind me why the f*** I invited you out here then? <laughs> and he gave me this deadpan look. And I thought he was kidding, but he didn't crack a smile. And then I was like, wait, he's serious? Is he kidding? I just walked off like I couldn't figure it out. Like, you didn't say anything back to him? Um, I think I just laughed it off. And I was like, wait. You really wanted me to bring Pam. Shit. Should I call her? <laughs> Should I call her right now? <laughs> so that's hilarious. And I think that when we see guys like Mike Leach and we see guys like Greg Popovich and these stories of Bill Belichick, like I played one earlier this year where Chris Berman was in a press conference and, and Belichick made it a point to say something and be funny about it and be awkward. Guys with personality make sports better. Now, Mike Leach was an anomaly. Mike Leach did things and said things that, that quite honestly were borderline, but also just true. And to be fair, that's the type of personality that I seek out if I ever do go interview or have questions for guys like these people. My best time was with Bob Huggins. Big 12 Media Day, Henry Lake, Jay Binkley, uh, they bring it up all the time. In fact, when Henry Lake was in town uh, this past summer and went to a Royals game with him, he had literally asked me, he said, you remember that time when we had you on the show when you were interviewing coaches at Big 12 Media Day? He goes, man, I'll tell you what, that, that Bob Huggins interview was one of my favorites. And the reason being is because Huggy Bear was just himself. And he's one of those Mike Leach type of guys. Dry, but hilarious, but also sarcastic. And when things like that come through the wire and you get to see that personality 
there is more to it than just the dry, everyday grind that is sports. And it separates many from others. And to me, there's no better thing in the world than seeing honest and true type of personalities from coaches. A great one lost in Mike Leach. RIP 61. Uh, We come back. We'll reset this show, and I'll talk about why I think my MVP odds are a little bit scarier now than they were three weeks ago. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.